Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 64, Epcot Revisited. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up, everybody? And Tom. How you doing? We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. What's happening? It is still bonkers to me how many episodes we're in at this point. What was that, 64 or 65, Pete? 64. 64. Who would have ever thunk it would have gone... I didn't know what to expect, I guess, when we started, but here we are. You know, it's funny, the... Kind of the reason that we're doing this episode tonight is because of some of our earlier episodes. I was listening and, and Tom was listening to some of our earliest episodes... And just how kind of cringeworthy they were. I feel like we've tightened up a lot since those days. Let me let me first take a moment to thank all the listeners who have been here since episode one. We were going back kind of as a joke. One of our buddies told us that there were some cringeworthy moments in our initial episodes. And boy, was he right. I mean, they were brutal, guys. And we thought they were good. Well, I want to point out to you guys as well that not only were they cringeworthy... That was like take three, four, and five of those episodes that we actually released. So I can't imagine what you know the first rounds would have been like. We were learning how to edit, learning how to record. We're trying to figure out what to do here. Probably my fault. So tonight we're going to revisit Epcot. And, and tonight we're going to do it a little bit differently than we did the last go-round. Last time we broke Epcot down into three episodes, spent a lot of time going in-depth in each pavilion. This time we're just going to go... I thought we were going to do our favorite and least favorite pavilion, but all of us kind of determined that we actually had more than one favorite. So we're actually going to do our two favorite pavilions and then our least favorite pavilion. Well, we say most of us, it was really Tom because Tom said, okay, well, I got my two favorites. I got my one least favorite and I have five honorable mentions. Yeah. Yes. Literally whole, whole world showcase. So it's really difficult to, if you've ever, it, seriously, if you're a listener, sit back, pause the episode and think about what your two favorites would be. It's really hard to choose. But they forced me. They forced me inside of a box here. I'm a peacock. I wanted to spread my wings, but they didn't let me. That was a really weird thing to say. You gotta see the movie. You, okay, obviously that was a movie reference. I could see Pete looking at me, crazy. That that is a movie reference with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. But anyway, we will power through here. Okay. Well, before we get started with our main topic, let's go as always to Tom with the news. What do we got this week, Tom? I was hoping you would forget this part because we don't have much. There is zero park news. And I'm, I'm not kidding when I say that. I mean, I've tried to every angle of pool park news, and there's really nothing that's changed since our last episode. There, Can we just make up park news? That's what could, I was going to say. We could throw out rumors. I mean, there, there's a couple pieces of news in Disney Springs. Uh, Cirque de Soleil hits developmental milestone. Uh, obviously, it closed at the end of 2017. Uh, but just before that, Disney confirmed that there would be a new production being developed for this theater that will celebrate Disney's legacy of storytelling in Circus de Soleil's signature way, with a tribute to the one-of-a-kind craftsmanship that makes Disney so extraordinary. And we have not heard much about it since, but it does look like things are moving in the correct direction here, as there has been a new casting call and it's been posted to the official website, suggesting there is some work on the show entering some of its final phases now and potentially setting up a 2019 debut. Seems like everything's late 2019 for Disney right now, so this, you know, this is speculation, but let's Go ahead and lump that in the same opening time frame. 
Uh, also at Disney Springs, Deluxe Burger, which you have heard us reference on the podcast. I'm a big fan of this place for lunch or dinner. Is now offering a special breakfast menu through the end of the year. Kind of seems like a holiday deal for me. When they have increased foot traffic, they try to open places and find ways to fit people in for meals and for time-consuming events. So they do have a special breakfast menu. Uh, it looks like they announced it late last week. It'll be uh, open early and it'll serve breakfast from now through the end of the year, like I mentioned. And they will have the same dining option for early holiday shoppers as well. The addition for their early morning menu, you have the classic breakfast burger. You have an egg white sandwich, a deluxe breakfast sandwich, crispy chicken biscuit, uh, Diablo breakfast burger, uh, and a few other choices. I would assume it's going to be really good. I I think the food there is great. The burgers have been – I've had multiple burgers there and eaten there multiple times, so each time it's been fantastic for me. Hopefully the special breakfast menu is good. And if any of our listeners are in the Orlando area or down there right now and visit – Deluxe Burger for breakfast. Let us know how it is. You love Deluxe Burger. It's it, My wife and I always find ourselves stopping there to eat at some point. It's it's funny. Out of all the good restaurants at Disney Springs, I feel like you always end up at Deluxe Burger. It's I mean, so I mean, I did Bongo's last time. Bongo's Cuban Cafe for dinner one night. And I've done, I can't remember what the Mexican place is there. But done the Mexican food at Disney Springs. But yeah, Deluxe Burger, it's it's quick, it's easy. They've got great french fries, good burgers, good milkshakes. Oh, we just and we, where we park too at Disney Springs, you you like walk right into Deluxe Burger. Like you can't really miss it. So there's my there's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh some general news uh that that's come out of Disney. Friendship Boat Service has been suspended due to the Skyliner construction at Epcot's International Gateway. Uh, it is beginning this week that the Friendship Boat Service to and from Epcot via the International Gateway area will not be available due to the construction work related to the Skyliner project. This work is expected to last into and through early December. So if you're down there now, which a lot of people are, it's a popular time to uh, go to Disney. Sounds like this form of transportation may be closed. Uh, I would assume they try to get it reopened before the Christmas holiday, but we will uh, we'll continue to monitor that. Now there is still you can still use the International Gateway entrance, and the Friendship Boat Service is still available from Hollywood Studios to Epcot area hotels, but it's just not taking you right up to Epcot. Now Pete and Matt, there is a you guys have walked between Epcot and Hollywood Studios, correct? That would have been the route you would have taken International Gateway to Hollywood Studios. So there is there is a walking area that you can still. Utilize, I assume. I haven't seen anything that says otherwise. Uh, and then the last, seriously, the last bit of news here. New concept art released for storybook dining at Artist Point. Artist Point is, cur- is currently being redesigned with rustic decor and an enhanced forest-like setting in order to prepare for the new storybook dining experience featuring Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, debuting in just a few weeks. Uh, December 16th is the opening date there. So in addition to the decor, guests who attend this special dining experience will also be able to hear Iconic music from the film as they meet with well-known characters like Dopey, Grumpy, the Evil Queen, and of course, Snow White herself. Reservations for this new experience are now available. The price is $55 for adults and $33 for children. I'd like to remind you, children's ages are 3 to 9 in Disney World. Uh, the price includes one appetizer, an entree, and a dessert, as well as a non-alcoholic fountain beverage. You can check out the full uh, menu online. Is it just me, or does that price sound really reasonable? I was, it sounds that's very I was reasonable. Say. Yeah, I think we've talked about character dining and 
55 bucks for adults, 33 for children. That includes appetizer, entree, and dessert. I, that's not bad at Disney World. No, I don't think so at all. And you knock out all of them. I mean, you knock out Snow White, Seven Dwarfs, and Evil Queen. So Disney has started these Disney After Hours events at Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. And I believe there was one at Animal Kingdom within the last week, right? So from, from what I've seen, there was nobody there at all. I mean, walking on to Flight of Passage, nobody there. Yeah, some of the Disney folks that we follow and try to keep up with and stay in touch with on their travels that live in the Orlando area did go to this event. And, I mean, they said it was walk-on, any attraction that's open. Now, it is a limited open list. It's not, you know, Kilimanjaro's not open, Kelly River Rapids isn't open. You know, Finding Nemo, Lion King shows are certainly not going on. But, what but you, hit the, you hit the highlights. Yeah, what are you going there for right now? You're going there for Flight of Passage, Expedition Everest, and of course everyone loves Kilimanjaro Safari. I don't want to discount that, but you've got Dinosaur open still. It was, I, when I say nobody was there, I mean only person on Flight of Passage. I mean, empty seats left and right. And That's crazy. Only people in the Dinosaur ride vehicle. And hmm. they, they laugh because, you know, you watch the little video before you go on a dinosaur and they ask the cast members, can we, can we just skip the video and go straight to the ride? And they were not letting them. They made them watch the video. Well, and I guess this brings up the point. We're going to be in Orlando. We're going to be at Disney World during a Hollywood Studios after hours event. Based on what we've seen so far, I don't know. Is it, is it worth trying it? We've gone back and forth and we talked, we hit on it last episode because you do potentially cut into your park ticket at the other park you're at that day absolutely so that's a negative if you're not at the park that has the after hour event but i don't know i mean you're walking onto attractions you're walking onto attractions and and granted hollywood studios has what five attractions and and i believe that ticket does include mickey ice cream bars it does yes maybe fountain drinks too i think fountain drinks too and maybe popcorn as well. They, at one point, it included hot dogs, but I, I think they did away with that. And and you can get into the park a little bit before it closes, too. So you would be able to catch you know a Fantasmic at Hollywood Studios or a Rivers of Light at Animal Kingdom. Correct. Correct. So I, I don't know. You know, for $125, it's expensive. If you get an annual pass or a Florida residence discount on it, you know, you're in the $90 range. Maybe that's a little bit, a little bit more reasonable at that point. To, I mean, to walk on Flight of Passage or to walk on the new Toy Story attractions, Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster. I mean, you're having the park to yourself. Yeah. Plus, it gives you the opportunity to, to take pictures that you'd never be able to take. You know, think empty, empty street in front of Tower of Terror, empty Rock and roller coaster. Empty, empty street in front of the Tree of Life when they have the Tree of Life projection show going on. I mean, I, I went to Disney World and what I felt was a dead time. It was actually this time last year I was wrapping up my trip. And we got some great pictures and we didn't wait in a lot of long lines. If We didn't really wait in any long lines. But, you know, we weren't getting a picture with no one near us in front of Tower of Terror. That's unrealistic to think you could do that. But at this event, you can. I mean, th- this event, you can go stand in front of Cinderella Castle and there's not really going to be a big fight for positioning. So... I, if if you have a Florida resident or an annual pass holder in your group, dollars $90, $96, I think, around that after tax, that's really that's worth it to me. One twenty five is it's tough to stomach because it's more than you pay for an entire day's admission to a park. Yep. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as we get into our Disney trip. You know, we'll we'll definitely be thinking about this. But if you want to experience these parks, I know the Magic Kingdom one is is typically going to be more popular. But based on what we've seen from Animal Kingdom, it doesn't look like the Animal Kingdom or the Hollywood Studios after hours events are going to be in any way, shape or form as near as crowded as Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I I think I I totally agree. Magic Kingdom is definitely worth it. There's no question there. But 
I don't know. We may be changing our tune on Hollywood Studios, and it depends. If we, it will be very hypocritical if we buy a ticket to Hollywood Studios because we've been adamant that no, it's not worth it there. Yeah, kind of, kind of makes you think. So, all right. Well, if there's no more news, we'll uh, pause for just a minute here to hear from our sponsors. Destinations with Character Travel Agency is your one-stop shop for Disney vacations, cruises, and more. With clients ranging from the magic makers of Hollywood to the business executives of New York to families from all over the U.S., people trust the travel consultants of Destinations with Character to make their magical dreams a reality with the patience, care, and attention to detail they deserve. With over 50 years of experience in Disney and worldwide travel, are over 30 travel consultants trained to give the best prices and service possible. Destinations with Character has the tools to make the difference for you. Find out how to take the stress and hassle out of your vacation. Simply contact them to let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel, making dream vacations come true every single day. Visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the Mendu WDW podcast sent you. So your family is coming to Orlando and the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with our main topic for tonight. Again, we're going to be talking about our two favorite, because Tom can't decide, and least favorite pavilions at Epcot. I feel like it would have been a lot cleaner just to have favorite and least favorite. Well, or it would have been cleaner to have two top favorites and five honorable mentions, but here we are. <laughs> I mean, or we could have just talked about the World Showcase in entirety. We could have just, yeah, we could have just talked about the World Showcase in its entirety, but I don't want to do a four hour long episode today. So we're going to stick with this. So you guys want to go through your favorites and then we'll talk about least favorites at the end, or how do you want to do it? Yeah. I just want to knock out our least favorites. So we just have exciting stuff to talk about the rest of the way. Let's do that. It'll cause some controversy. It'll be. Yeah. So let me go ahead and start Uh, my least favorite. And it's probably not a shock to anyone who listens to this podcast, but Canada, you know, outside of the totem pole, there's really nothing to do there. Um, I don't really like the you know the movie that that plays there right now. The only good thing about the Canada Pavilion is La Cellier. That's it. That's all. I don't like the I don't like the beer. I don't like the alcohol choices. I don't like the food except for La Cellier. So what do y'all think? I'm not opposed to putting Canada down towards the bottom of the list of pavilions, but I think it's a really pretty pavilion. You know, you've got the kind of hotel looking building. You've got the waterfall. You've got kind of the woodsy outdoorsy part. You also have Le Cellier. You've got the gardens that are that are around there. Impre- or O Canada's not great. Let me go ahead and break this tie. Canada's my least favorite. And I think it's pretty easy. There's not much to it. I mean, your entertainment is basically totem poles now. You just look at totem poles for entertainment there. The 
to Matt's point, the drinking, if you're doing drinking around the world, this would be your least favorite stop. If you really want to be okay, bold. Okay, that's not, that I will beg to differ with. If you really want to be bold, start in Canada and just start your trip off on a, a terrible first step. No. So Canada, the Canada Pavilion does have some of the best and rarest beers at Disney World. Specifically, they've got some unibrow beers that are incredible, including La Fin de Monde. Which, you know, I, I get that. But if you remember the last time that you and I went together, Pete, we literally hit everywhere in Epcot and went back to Canada just to grab a quick drink and move on to the next country so we could say we drank around the world. We spent literally, you know, we didn't even get these good beers you're talking about now. I didn't even know they existed in Canada. We got La Blatt Blue. Yeah, they, well, they were actually sold out when we were there because I asked about them. And they were actually sold out the last time we went too. Are you because, sure they I mean, exist because, there? Well, but here's the thing. I mean, they're expensive beers and they're actually the most reasonably priced beers at Disney World based on what they are. But you're right. There's not, I mean, there used to be that, uh, that rock, Celtic rock band that played there that's gone now. I feel like there used to be lumberjacks there too that are gone now. So there's not a whole lot of entertainment. There's not a whole lot of anything really to do other than look at, look at the totem poles now. But there is Le Cellier. And Le Cellier is great. It's one of my favorite restaurants in Disney. We've talked about that a lot. And that's the only reason I go to Canada, unless I'm drinking around the world and you got to hit that spot. But I'll be on the lookout for these great beers that you're talking about. And maybe Canada won't be my least favorite next time. Where you go down the ramp to go to Le Cellier, there's like a beer stand right there at the top of that ramp. And that's where they have them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So Tom, Canada is your least favorite as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going to change my tune on it. Canada's one where I either pop into just so I can rush back over to the Mexico Pavilion or pop into and turn around and go back to the UK. And remember, Tom Tom doesn't like beer, so he's really got nothing there for him in Canada. That's that's true. And when was the last time anybody saw O Canada? Ten years. Yeah, it's been a long time. I, w- I would love to know what the average like the average like throughput is for O Canada during the course of a typical Disney day. It, it's got to be less than a thousand people, right? You know, I would think in the summertime, people go in there just to get air conditioning, just to get out of the crowds. But when I'm typically at the parks, I never see more than three or four people going into there. <laughs> Three or four people. That says it all. Exactly. All right. Well, so my least favorite, and this is going to sound horrible, but whatever. It is what it is. My least favorite pavilion is the American Adventure. You want to talk about literally having nothing to do. Bold. So I do like a couple of things about this pavilion. The Voices of Liberty are great, and I like the architecture, but that's pretty much it. The food is not good. The drinks, for the most part, other than the Red Stag Lemonade, are not good. There's no shopping to speak of. There's no real attractions. I don't count the American Adventure because when was the last time any of us went on that? My last trip. I love the American Adventure. My last trip, Pete. Did you like it, though? No. Tried yes. to sleep. I loved it. <laughs> so, I don't know. The American Adventure doesn't really do anything for me. I, I feel like, again, like Canada, this is one of those pavilions in the middle of your trip around the world showcase that you just kind of skip through. I actually tend to go to the bathroom here because they do have some uh, some kind of hidden bathrooms around the side. But uh, but other than that, I, there's really nothing here. You know what, Pete? I, I have an idea for you. I think you need to write a book titled The Hidden Bathrooms of Walt Disney World and How to Find Them. It- you know, I would say that Tom is probably the better subject uh, matter expert on this. Tom, hidden bathrooms in Walt Disney and where to find them? There's actually one in the American Pavilion that not many know about. It's tucked in around the corner. Literally, Pete That's what just I was just talking that. about. I literally just was talking about that. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't listening. Sorry. So, Clearly. guys, we, we we saw Tom kind of looking off in the distance, and we decided to 
catch him by surprise. I do know where most of the bathrooms are. Tom had no idea what we were talking about, and he said the same thing as Pete. So if you need a bathroom break, American Pavilion. And that's really it. So Pete, I, it, it's hard for me to, to allow you to do this. It's America. It's the it, you, you can't be your least favorite. I know, and I it's it's hard for me too. The only exception to this is during food and wine when they have the lobster roll. Move to Canada, Pete. Just it sounds like you love it so much. Just move there. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's get into our favorites. Well, I, actually, can, can we start with our honorable mention first? That none of us put on our list, but all of us agreed should be mentioned in some way. I'm fine with that. Go ahead, Pete. Let it rip. So it's it's the Morocco Pavilion, and the reason for this when when we went on the Mendu Disney trip, I feel like Tom and I really hyped up this Morocco Pavilion to the point where the other two guys on the trip were super excited to see it, and and it doesn't it doesn't let you down. The architecture here, the craftsmanship, just the general atmosphere of, th- of this pavilion is is amazing. The tile work, you know, the, the buildings, even how it's planned where you can see the backside of Tower of Terror, and it looks like it fits in with the pavilion. Morocco should have been a favorite. Totally agree with you there. We have some friends who just love the Moroccan pavilion, especially when um, the live performers are out and about. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the belly dancer there. And the other thing is that the, the food here... We none of us have eaten at Spice Road or Restaurant Marrakesh, but both both of these restaurants are supposed to be great. You know, and and the thing about them is that you can pretty much walk into either one without a reservation. And I would say, really, two of the only restaurants at Epcot that are like that. I mean, probably two of the only restaurants at Disney World that are like that, as popular as you know ADRs are. But the food is good. Everything about the Moroccan Pavilion is good. I, I don't know that anything outside of the architecture would be considered great. And that may be why we take it for granted. And I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's one of those pavilions that if, you, if you're not looking for it and if you're not really looking in depth, you're not going to appreciate it. And one of the things that we've talked about in one, one of our past podcasts, and I think it was one of Tom's Secrets of the Day, or maybe if you go back and please don't go back and listen to our World Showcase episodes about a year ago because they were kind of rough but didn't morocco actually send in an architect from morocco to make sure that everything was realistic everything was to scale everything was true to moroccan heritage not i mean they sent in like a lot of people to to do all this and it's you know morocco to, was so, so these honored mo- about it that, that, that he wanted to pretty much pay for it for disney and make sure that he would send in a team that knew how to build the architecture that disney was after and this is the only pavilion at Disney World where the actual government of the country sponsors the pavilion. All, all the other ones are corporate sponsors. Yeah, and I think that's so cool. I really do. I think that's awesome. So, and and not only that, because it was it was such a big deal for Morocco, and because they sent in their craftsmen to do this, the Morocco Pavilion actually is is one of two pavilions, and and the other is Norway, just to keep it balanced, but. Norway or Norway and Morocco do not light up at all during illuminations. Mm-hmm. Wow! And, and it's because because of the religious significance of the buildings in the Morocco Pavilion. They don't they don't want to get it involved in the fireworks, which is very cool. But we have the belly dancer too. So there you <laughs> so go. So you're saying it balances out? It balances out. You've got the religious aspect, and then you got the belly dancer. So, but we did want to mention the Morocco Pavilion. All all three of us really appreciate the Morocco Pavilion. Really enjoy the Morocco Pavilion, and didn't want it to be left off this list. So. Let's go to our favorites. Well, I'll start off, and Pete, you know, we're going to be on opposite ends of the spectrum here, but I love the American Pavilion. You know, maybe it's because I bleed red, white, and blue. 
maybe because I'm patriotic. Maybe it is that I love living in this country. And unlike you, know, you it, that I has nothing it. to do. That has nothing to do with how I feel about living in this country. Well, anyway, so I'm a, I'm a historical guy. I love I love you know, looking back on especially American history. My mo- my mom was a you know history teacher growing up, so you know we went to Colonial Williamsburg a lot. We went to you know different you know Washington D.C. We went all over, the, and you know being from South Carolina, we have so much history just in our state. So we always do. We're doing historical tours. Um, what I, what I love about the American Adventure Pavilion is you know, I really do like the colonial style mansion that's there. Um, it actually hits on a lot of different um, United States historical landmarks. I mean, just to mention a few: Independence Hall, Monticello, Colonial Williamsburg, and Boston's old State House. There's over 110,000 bricks that are used to you know create that building, and they're handmade bricks from Georgia clay. I just think it's a really cool, cool area. I like that it's in the exact middle of the World Showcase. I like that when you look out into um, the rest of the pavilion, you can kind of see where you are. But aside from that, I mean, I even, I know you guys don't like this, but I love the American adventure. I think it's awesome how we get to hear the, you know, how America came to be. You know, we get into little historical aspects of, you know, not only the American Revolution, but, you know, a little bit of, you know, slavery, a little bit of the Civil War. And, you know, it goes right up to the invention of the telephone. Um, I think it's really cool that Ben Franklin and Mark Twain are kind of your narrators throughout that adventure. And like we've talked about, I know Tom went in there to sleep and get some AC, but you know, it's about 30 minutes. And if you like history, you're going to love it. Um, Aside from that, I like the food. You know, it's nice when you're going through, you know, different pavilions where you're trying different things, but you can get back to good old American burgers and hot dogs and it's so boring. You can, it's literally the theme park food that you can get at any other restaurant at Disney World. Well, and you know what? You're right about that, but I still like it. Like, sue me. I like American food, Pete. <laughs> Forgive me for that. Um, I like the amphitheater they have there. They have a lot of cool shows that come in. Um, it's really cool what they do with a lot of the um, high schools around the area. They get to come perform there, perform there frequently. All in all, I think it's just, I think it's a lot of fun. I like it's in the exact middle of, you know, the, World Showcase, but so what are your thoughts, Tom? Because we know Pete's. Yeah, I like the American uh, the American Pavilion, and while American Adventure is definitely not my most fun attraction, I guess it's it's refreshing. I mean, if I always get fired up by this point because it's like America, you know, and it, it, that's kind of what I what I feel when I walk in. The lobster rolls are good during the Food and Wine Festival. They're they're very good. Uh, good does not do them justice. And I mean, there is some. I mean, there's burgers, hot dogs. There's a nice little quick service area to eat there. There is a hidden bathroom around the left corner if you're facing the pavilion, and it's in the dead middle. So you kind of can sit down and reflect on what you've seen and look forward to what you're about to go see for the rest of the world showcase. So I'm I'm right there with you, Matt. It's not one of my favorites, but I do like. I it. feel like since this is the midpoint of World Showcase, that a lot of people tend to eat here, and and because it's safe food, right? You're not you don't have to worry about what you're going to get. You're going to get theme park food. So. That, I mean, and maybe that's another reason I I really don't care for for that food court there is because it's always, always packed, no matter when you go. I'll say the trip we went on in July, we did not eat in there, but we did sit in there for some air conditioning. And it and it was late. I mean, it was late in the afternoon, so it wasn't a, a prime lunchtime, but it was pretty dead in there, uh, to be honest with you. Was it? Yeah. But I, I don't think that I've ever been where it hasn't been just absolutely packed. Yeah, well, I will go ahead and move over to to one of my favorite pavilions in the World Showcase. And it's going to come by no surprise. China is one of my favorites. A lot of reasons. 
Uh, Tipsy Ducks and Love is probably my favorite drink in all of Epcot, which is wild because I only got it. Be- I actually got it the first time not thinking I was going to like it, and it was my favorite drink and still is my favorite drink. But aside from that, they have some dining opportunities. They have Nine Dragons Restaurant and Lotus Lotus Blossom Cafe. Uh, Nine Dragons is a full-service gourmet Chinese restaurant. Uh, it's traditional Chinese cuisine with a little bit of a twist. And then Lotus Blossom is a counter-service restaurant that serves you know, like your American Chinese dishes is the best way I could describe it. I usually do eat something in the China Pavilion uh, because it is, you know, you've, you've done Mexico by this point. You've done Norway and keep in mind the World Showcase opens at 11. So you do typically, and you see a lot of people eating here too. I mean, we Americans and everyone else who visits Disney World does love Chinese food typically. So the food there is pretty good. Uh, during the Food and Wine Festival, the Bao Bun, highly recommend it if you go to Disney then. I think the shopping here is better than other pavilions. They have Good Fortune Gifts and House of Good Fortune. It's a ton of stuff related to the China Pavilion uh, in China itself. You can find things all across the board. Uh, I've, I've bought many Disney souvenirs for myself and for others from here. Big fan of the shopping. And it's a big store, air-conditioned. If you get a drink, if you get something to eat, you can kind of walk through the store and enjoy your meal or drink while... Uh, while you do that, entertainment here, they have the the Dragon Legend Acrobats. These are young acrobats who will periodically perform in the outdoor courtyard. Uh, and they also have like a, best way I can describe it is the Chinese dragon that performs as well. Those are both fun to watch, again, while you're enjoying maybe a, 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 some food or a drink. Uh, and then your character meet and greet, you have Mulan, Mushu. Uh, definitely, I've seen both of them in the pavilion. I know some other folks from Mulan will rotate through. The biggest downside to me for the China Pavilion is Reflections of China. I'm not a huge fan of this uh, quote-unquote attraction. There is air conditioning similar to O Canada, and so people do. You won't see masses going in to watch Reflections of China, but some people do venture in there. I'm okay with the China Pavilion. I'm, it's not my favorite. I like the bathrooms, obviously. We've talked How about the Chinese bathrooms. How did I forget the bathrooms? Yeah. And obviously, I was yes, going to say. The Chinese bathroom. The China bathroom is, is the is place, It's your place of peace. It's, it's your place It's of like peace. a little zen. Yeah. I think one of the, my favorite things about China is just playing. I think they're, they're not called devil's fire sticks. Like the fire sticks that you get to play with. I never buy them anymore, but I love just, you know, showing off my skills from when I was 11 years old. I often do the same. There are videos of me circulating of doing the same. I've seen them. So I, I'm okay with this choice. It's, again, not my favorite. To me, it's kind of one of those forgettable pavilions, but I do always try to hit up the bathrooms here. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and move right into my first favorite pavilion at Epcot, and it's going to be the Mexico Pavilion. I know I've mentioned this a lot on this podcast. But there's so much here to, to see and do. You know, food-wise, Mexico Pavilion leaves a little bit to be desired. The, the Mexican restaurants are not great. The drinks are where it's at. All of us rave about the blood orange ma- margarita from Cavatel Tequila. That's not the only margarita there. They've they've got avocado, jalapeno. There's some kind of mango one. Pretty much anything you can imagine. You can also order tequila flights from La Cavatel Tequila. But this pavilion to me is is one of my earliest earliest memories of Disney World. Walking inside the pyramid, and and seeing you know what appears to be inside another pyramid at night. Overlooking a Mexican marketplace, overlooking a, a restaurant with a boat ride. And, and I don't know, when I was younger, this was just the coolest thing to me. And I still appreciate it today. You know, shopping wise, 
There's a ton of, of Mexican goods. You can buy sombreros. I feel like that's a pretty popular picture, is uh, taking a picture with a sombrero in Mexico. You can buy Mexican musical instruments, whatever. The atmosphere here is just is incredible. Yeah, and I'll touch on that, and you know, I'll probably be next my second favorite pavilion in the world showcase, and it is Mexico. So Pete and I are of like mind, at least on half of our choices today, or a third of them. I'm not a math major. But anyway, one of the things I love about the Mexican pavilion is just the pyramid and the darkened interior when you walk inside. I think it's really cool, and it always feels great when you walk in and you see sunset in the background. It's kind of peaceful. It's cool. It's relaxing. Um, like like Pete touched on, the shopping area is great. Um, it almost feels like you are just in the middle of a you know Mexican market, which is really cool. Lots of there's a lot of knickknacks. Like if you're just trying to buy souvenirs for friends, family, you can get a lot of stuff here that looks like you actually went out of the country and brought it back for your friends and family. Um, the mariachi band that walks around is really cool. Gives a very fun vibe. Um, you know, Donald Duck's my favorite Disney character. So the, the Grand Fiesta tour is really fun for me because it's a ride and it's an actual attraction. There aren't many in the in the pavilion, but or I should say the World Showcase. They're obviously one of the Mexico pavilion. But um, I relate to Donald Duck, especially in this ride, because he gets lost and his friends have to go find him. And Donald's fine, but his friends are trying to figure out where he's at. And as Tom and Pete can probably both both express, I, I get lost sometimes and don't really care, but it's OK. Um, now, I like the quick food options. You know, this is the first pavilion you get to if you go the Mexico route in the World Showcase. I love, like, the quick food you can get. You can get a Mexican beer. You can get a margarita. We all love the tequila bar. And that's kind of why I really love this place. Yeah, and, you know, hit on the food again. There is a restaurant inside the pyramid, which is San Angel Inn. It's not good. There's another table service restaurant outside, which is La Hacienda de San Angel, which is better. Still not great. You do have a couple of quick service options. You've got Cantina de San Angel, which matters where you and I ate when we began our journey around the world. There's also a new, and I use new loosely because it's been open about a year, year and a half now, called Chozo de Margarita that sells... They sell similar margaritas to what is sold inside at La Cava. They're not quite as good. They're, they're, they do have some frozen margaritas there, but they also have some snacks. They've got empanadas, tacos, guacamole. All of those dishes come with Mexican street corn, which Love is yeah. amazing. Highly, highly, highly recommend that, uh, that you eat the Mexican street corn there. The empanadas are pretty good as well. So the, the food, again, the, the, Table service restaurants do leave a little bit to be desired, but the quick service kind of makes up for it. I will say with the table service restaurants, especially the one inside, you know, the main pyramid, it is fantastic if you just want ambiance, but the food, you know, I wouldn't recommend it if you're saying, hey, we're going to get great food. No, probably not, but you will get a good ambiance. It's always sunset. I've heard it is kind of romantic if you just take the right mindset in. It, it could be the, I agree, the, the atmosphere in that restaurant is incredible. But again, the food does leave a lot to be desired. And and like you said, the mariachi band is great. I love I love sitting there and listening to the mariachi band play while uh while I finish up my margarita. So that's my that's my uh my favorite pavilion in the world showcase. It sounds like it's one of your favorite as well. So Tom, I think we're on to you next for your second favorite pavilion. Well, yeah, I, just, I did want to touch. I mean, Mexico's by far one of my favorites. This is definitely in my honorable mention list. And you guys pretty much, you hit it with a home run. 
with everything and all the detail you guys provided. I like starting the World Showcase in Mexico because it, it really, it's a fun place to start. So uh, appreciate you guys running through that. My next favorite is one that's kind of grown on me. And I will tell you, I was toying between having Mexico in this slot, but uh, for obvious reasons, I did not. I had him in my honorable mention area. This one's the United Kingdom. And going through the World Showcase, if you're drinking around the world, eating around the world, I feel like there's some areas that don't have quite as much energy as others. You know, Mexico is one that typically has a ton of energy. China has a lot of energy around it. The United Kingdom has a ton of energy. Uh, Rose and Crown Pub and Dining Room, there's not much more to say than describe this place with energy. It's usually packed. There's sometimes live piano music. It's loud. It is like a pub uh, that you would go to in the UK. They do have a dining experience there as well which I have not personally eaten, eaten at the dining experience. I've eaten at the Yorkshire County Fish Shop, which is you know fish and chips, but I've not eaten at the Rose and Crown. I have enjoyed the pub atmosphere and listened to the piano music, and uh, I know Pete and some of our buddies had a good time last time. We went to Disney and hoping to have another good time when we visit uh, in here in the near future. Uh, so that's the dining and the, the drinking side of it. I think the shopping's pretty good in the UK, actually. They've got a, a bevy of stores. They've got the Toy Soldier, which is... You know, kind of sells toys and memorabilia, usually associated with the UK. They've got the Beatles, Rolling Stones, wooden toys, as well as Disney merchandise in there. The Crown and Crest. Uh, it sells a lot of like the Keep Calm and Carry On merchandise, uh, books, shirts, cups, mugs. The uh, HRC is there as well. It's the Historical Research Center, which sells coats of arms, swords, and other merchandise. Uh, the Sportsman Shop is my personal favorite. They do sell you know football team apparel from various teams. They have books. Uh, and they do have some Guinness merchandise in there. My wife enjoys going to the tea caddy. Uh, they do have teapots, teacups, uh, and, and additional things that would be related to the United Kingdom. And then they have the UK cart there as well. And that sells Walt Disney World trading pins, lanyards, mini Mickey Mouse plush toys. They call them toothpick holders, but shot glasses and United Kingdom shirts. Uh, so quite a bit of shopping in there. It's, it's a really fun uh, pavilion to explore from that standpoint. Entertainment, I know the British Revolution has played here on and off. Uh, it's a band that plays British rock from the 60s through the 90s. But I know they rotate the entertainment in this pavilion. I couldn't tell you exactly what's being shown right now. Uh, and then, last but not least, Disney character meet and greets are pretty good in the UK, all things considered. You have Mary Poppins, you have Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and Winnie the Pooh. I, I haven't seen many Winnie the Pooh and Friends. I know Tigger has been through the pavilion before, but it's typically just Winnie the Pooh. So... That is a rundown of the UK. I, I, all these guys have had a blast in the UK before. The fish, and, and from a food standpoint, I know it, it's just fish and chips, but it's really good. It is. And and you get, I mean, you pretty much get the exact same thing from the little window to the side that you do inside the actual uh, the actual pub. It, it, and it's a lot of food, too. And, and I'm, I like to eat a lot. It is a, it is a lot of food. It is a lot of food. So this is probably some more of your bang, bang for the buck. Uh, here in in um, United Kingdom, obviously they have quite a bit of ales and stouts. It's a full fledged bar inside the pub, so you should be able to get what you want. But they do have drinks that would be specific to the United Kingdom as well. Yeah, I mean the the Rose and Crown really makes this pavilion. I I think for everybody, it's it's a fun atmosphere. Matt, you and I got stuck here in the rain, and I mean it was packed. You could not move. I mean we say stuck there, but I'm so glad we got stuck there. And I've told the story before, but. You know, it just seemed, it seemed like such a great environment because you had 200, 300 people there that were all like mindset and just trying to get out of the rain, but enjoy themselves. And 
I mean, there were a couple of songs that everyone knew that everyone was singing. It was a lot of fun. It, I, it's the closest I've ever been to like probably a British pub. My favorite part about this entire story, though, is just the fact that, you know, we waited the rain out and it didn't stop raining, didn't stop raining. We we're there for like two hours. And then we're like, you know what, Matt, we got to get to our next event. So, you know, Pete being Pete, he said, let's go. So we're like, all right, well, let's get some ponchos and let's get out of here. We go buy ponchos across the way, you know, just right across the little area. And we go in 25 bucks a pop. You know what? We need them. We got to get to the next spot. We walk 20 steps in our new ponchos feeling great. And the rain stops and then the Florida humidity starts hitting you. So, and you're wearing a plastic sheet at that point in exactly. 99% humidity. It's not comfortable. <laughs> so, but anyway, Tom talked about our walk earlier in the podcast from, you know, Epcot to Disneywood's Disney's Hollywood Studios. It was a lot of fun though, but yeah, that experience was one of my top 10 moments ever in Disney World, Pete. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I like the UK Pavilion. So, my second favorite uh, pavilion at Epcot is actually right next door, and it's the France Pavilion. And I love this pavilion for a couple of different reasons, but I think the main reason that I like it is because of the food. I would say that my favorite quick service restaurant hands down at Disney World is La Hall, which is kind of in the back alleyway. Tom, I know you had a great experience there with your wife getting a baguette or a croissant or whatever. This is a great quick service restaurant. It's cheap. It's kind of tucked away, so it's not packed. They've got tables so you can kind of sit on the side of the streets and watch people walk by. And it's it's really easy to get a you know get a glass of wine, get a get a baguette, and uh, and just sit for a while. Apart from that, they do have two excellent uh, table service restaurants here. They've got Monsieur Paul and they have Chefs de France, both of which are very good. And I think both of which offer pretty good seating for illuminations as well as so if you can get a table by the window. As far as drinks go here, there is a ton of good wine. My favorite drink here is the Grand Meunier Slush. It's a little alcohol tasting, but uh, but still very ref- refreshing, particularly if you're there in the summertime. There's there's a ton of good shopping here. There's a wine store where, and it's not free, but you can pay to sample wine. You can buy wine. You can buy chocolates. All kind of all kinds of things like that. And then they also have a Souvenirs de France store which is you know your typical french goods art books berets that kind of thing i don't know this pavilion to me looks awesome it looks like a neighborhood in paris with the eiffel tower in the background it's quiet you've i don't know it just feels more intimate than a lot of the other pavilions do to me you've also got impressions de france here which is pretty old at this point i think this is an original epcot original right or it's or, pretty Pavilion Close original. To, I mean, it's not. it's eighties. It's like early eighties. And who? Uh, Bell's here too. Used to be Bell and the Beast, but uh, since be our guest opened, you don't see the Beast here anymore. Yeah, the Beast is reserved for only be our guest visitors. So I I really really like the France Pavilion. It's it's my favorite spot to to stop and grab lunch, or you know, if you're coming in through the International Gateway, Le Hall does open before. The hall opens with Future World, so you can actually stop in there before the rest of World Showcase opens, and get and get breakfast, get a croissant, get a cup of coffee, and and walk through the World Showcase to Future World. I'm fine with this with this selection for you, Pete. It's uh, obviously not one of my favorites. I actually did not make my honorable mentions list, but my wife does love it, so I probably should have had it on my honorable mentions list. 
But for all the reasons you Tom, explained, I mean, Tom, it's... Tom, out. That didn't make your honorable mention list. Every other country did. No, I had two favorites, five honorable mentions, and one least favorite. So a couple were in just the. Your abyss. wife's not going to like this podcast. They were in the upside down. They were in the upside down. <laughs> yeah, I like the selection though, Pete, and I will add it to my honorable mentions list. So now I have six honorable mentions. Is there? Did you leave anything off of your honorable mentions at this point? Let's see. Let's see. Oh, we did not cover Japan or Germany. Mm. Was Germany in there, Tom? No, was not. I had Norway in there. So Tom likes every country, every uh, country at the World Showcase. Japan's awesome. I th- I'm kind of devastated nobody picked Japan, but I, I guess I could have. But yeah, it is where it, that's where we're at. You have to stop to watch the drumming in Japan. Yeah, you get sucked in by those Taiko drummers. You can't do, leave. You can't do leave. Not buy a pearl from an oyster, and the sake's not yeah, great. I love buying a pearl as an oyster. Why can't I do that? Because Tom had a bad experience once, and it made and the lady made him cry. What happened? Let's, we've already Maybe talked about it the previous day. We can, we, you, can, you can go listen to our former episode, Matt, and see if you can find it. <laughs> I think it's in part two, because I think I was listening to, uh, listening to it the other day and heard the Tom crying story. Well, Matt had a good idea to kind of recap some things and, and why the World Showcase is so important to us and some takeaways we have each year. You guys, one of them we've done is on the 4th of July, we try to remake our favorite food or beverage from the World Showcase, which has been... Yeah, that's that's true. It's I mean, been relatively successful. Yeah, I mean, th- there have definitely been some drinks that have been more favorites than others. You know, Tipsy Ducks in Love was a big hit. The Blood Orange Margaritas. Those were are a big the two hit. that Pete. Some made. of the other Don't drinks. Don't let him fool you. He he thinks they were big hits. <laughs> um, well, uh, some of the others were not. Well, the Viking drink was not a big hit, yeah, but for, it actually became like, who can take more of these? For for our, one of our friends who who is a listener, for him to find Aquavit. And make sure to have it at the party <laughs> was impressive. And yes, it, it it we were all Vikings that day. We were all Vikings. So, but but yeah, I mean, again, we wanted to revisit World Showcase because this is such an important part of Disney World for us. Now, I I don't I don't think that when any of us were growing up that we really liked World Showcase all that much. All right. So, anything else to say about World Showcase other than uh, go spend some time there? I think that about covers it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the trivia question and secret for this week. What do you got? So the secret of the night. Did you know if you spent one night in each hotel room in Disney World, it would take you 68 years to accomplish this feat, and they do not rent by the hour. So if you wanted to stay one night in every hotel room of every resort presently, it would take you 68 years. And, and keep in mind, they are adding additional resorts. That is a wild wild stat that I never would have guessed. I was thinking somewhere around the range of like 25 years. But 68. Yeah, I think every oh room gosh. of every resort though. That would get so long. get so old. I don't know. I think I could do it. I think I could move to Disney for the rest of my life. The trivia question of the week. We'll hit last week's trivia question first. Our trivia question was how many different outfits does Mickey Mouse have in his closet? Yeah, I'm curious to hear what the answer to this is. Probably more than all our wives put together which we wouldn't believe, but it's over 290 outfits in Mickey Mouse's closet. I had a lot of guests, had a lot, a lot of guesses, had some in the thousands, some in the 500s, but 290, over 290. So I guess everyone was right if you guessed over 290. No, actually, I'll take, I'll take our wives' outfits over 290. I don't know. We, we, I'm not counting. I'm not counting. Uh, trivia question of this week. Again, you can email us or tweet us with your answer. The trivia question is, what is Cinderella Castle made of? 
Uh, so what is the building made of? How did they build the building? Uh, you can tweet us at WDW podcast or email us at WDW at gmail.com. You guys know the answer? I okay. do. It's not brick. There's your hint. It's, co- it's cotton candy, it's, right? It's, it's magic, actually. That's the answer. But yeah, magic tweet us or email candy? us with your answers or your guesses, and we will reveal the answer next week. All right. Well, anything else for this week? I think that wraps it up. All right. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Please tune in next week for some more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you next week.